and also the fussy ghost who is indignant at having been buried in the dustbin or in the village pond and who never gives the parish a single night's quiet until somebody has paid for a first-class funeral for him. But these are the exceptions. As I have said, the average orthodox ghost does his one turn a year on Christmas Eve and is satisfied. Why on Christmas Eve? Of all nights in the year, I never could myself understand. It is invariably one of the most dismal nights to be out in, cold, muddy, and wet. And besides, at Christmas time, everybody has quite enough to put up with in the way of a houseful of living relations without wanting the ghosts of any dead ones mooning about the place, I'm sure. There must be something ghostly in the air of Christmas, something about the close, muggy atmosphere that draws up the ghosts like the dampness of the summer rains brings out the frogs and the snails. And not only do the ghosts themselves always walk on Christmas Eve, but live people always sit and talk about them on Christmas Eve. Whenever five or six English-speaking people meet round a fire on Christmas Eve, they start telling each other ghost stories. Nothing satisfies us on Christmas Eve but to hear each other tell authentic anecdotes about spectres. It is a genial, festive season, and we love to muse upon graves and dead bodies and murders and blood. There's a good deal of similarity about our ghostly experiences, but this, of course, is not our fault, but the fault of the ghosts, who never will try any new performances, but will always keep steadily to old, safe business. The consequence is that when you have been at one Christmas Eve party and heard six people relate their adventures with spirits, you do not require to hear any more ghost stories. To listen to any further ghost stories after that would be like sitting out two farcical comedies or taking in two comic journals. The repetition would become wearisome. There's always the young man who was one year spending the Christmas at a country house and on Christmas Eve they put him to sleep in the West Wing. Then in the middle of the night the room door quietly opens and somebody, generally a lady in her nightdress, walks slowly in and comes and sits on the bed. The young man thinks it must be one of the visitors or some relative of the family, though he does not remember having previously seen her, who, unable to go to sleep and feeling lonesome all by herself, has come into his room for a chat. He has no idea it is a ghost. He is so unsuspicious. She does not speak, however. And when he looks again, she is gone. The young man relates the circumstance at the breakfast table next morning and asks each of the ladies present if it were she who was his visitor, but they all assure him that it was not, and the host, who has grown deadly pale, begs him to say no more about the matter, which strikes the young man as a singularly strange request. After breakfast, the host takes the young man into a corner and explains to him that what he saw was the ghost of a lady who had been murdered in that very bed, or who had murdered somebody else there. It really does not matter which. You can be a ghost by murdering somebody else, or by being murdered yourself, whichever you prefer. The murdering ghost is perhaps the more popular... But on the other hand, you can frighten people better if you are the murdered one, because then you can show your wounds and do groans. Then there is the sceptical guest. It is always the guest who gets let in for this sort of thing, by the by. A ghost never thinks much of his own family. It is the 
guest he likes to haunt, who, after listening to the host's ghost story on Christmas Eve, laughs at it and says that he does not believe there are such things as ghosts at all, and that he will sleep in the haunted chamber that very night if they will let him. Everybody urges him not to be reckless, but he persists in his foolhardiness and goes up to the yellow chamber, or whatever colour the haunted room may be, with a light heart and a candle and wishes them all good night and shuts the door. Next morning he has got snow-white hair. He does not tell anybody what he has seen. It is too awful. Then there is also the plucky guest, who sees a ghost, and knows it is a ghost, and watches it as it comes into the room and disappears through the wainscot, after which, as the ghost does not seem to be coming back, and there is nothing consequently to be gained by stopping awake, he goes to sleep. He does not mention having seen the ghost to anybody for fear of frightening them. Some people are so nervous about ghosts, but determines to wait for the next night and see if the apparition appears again. It does appear again, and this time he gets out of bed, dresses himself, and does his hair, and follows it, and then discovers a secret passage leading from the bedroom down into the beer cellar, a passage which no doubt was not...